This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. Welcome one and all to episode 124 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Classic Albums column. This time around, it is the self-titled debut by KISS, known as KISS. There you go. So, why this album was chosen... It is very easy and straightforward. A lot of people will argue, well, Alive is the album that turned me on to Kiss. Well, I didn't want to choose a live album because I might as well have chosen a Greatest Hits album. In the end, these live albums are just that for the most part, you know. Um, Also, the other choice would have been Destroyer. But I didn't go with Destroyer because to me it didn't capture the essence of the band and to be quite honest destroyer destroyer and alive 2 were the first albums i ever heard by the band i was four years old my brother's five years older than me Uh, my parents had bought the albums for him and the first thing that i remember seeing was within that book that came within alive 2 there was the the different members that you could look at with the various pictures and whatnot. And there was Ace Frehley in a nice big picture there. And um, I saw it, and it blew my mind as a kid, thinking, you know, wow, you know, this is, what is this? I can't believe it. This is a, a superhero of some sort, you know? And he plays a guitar, and he's got all this great music, you know? Uh, As a kid, you know, there was always music in my house, but it was never rock music. It was my parents playing music from Spain, uh, Julio Iglesias and things like that, um, which I never, ever liked. And, you know, I can't confess to having one of these cool parents that, oh, well, they played the Beatles or they played this or they played that. My parents played shit from back home, and I don't use shit as a kind term here. I never, ever, ever cared for what they played. Uh, The only time that I can say that there was anything like remotely cool was when my uncles would send vinyls from Spain, and it um, it would be like a mix of songs of the summer or whatever, and there would be some like, weirded out like disco music and you would have some rock tracks like Boston mixed in there you know something like more than a feeling and you know and that was that was what we got you know that was the best of what we had from from my parents luckily as I mentioned in the previous episode with Back in Black we had Destroyer and we had Alive 2, and begrudgingly enough, I forced Dynasty on my brother. It was either a Superman dartboard or it was Dynasty, and I ended up getting my way and getting Dynasty instead. And I don't think he's ever let me live that down. So, anyway, uh, back to Kiss, or the album Kiss, I should say, because we're still talking about Kiss, but... That's the exact reason why I wanted to select the album Kiss is because we're still talking about that self-titled debut so many years later. I mean, look at all of the all of the tracks that are on this album. You know, 
and there are still tracks that are being played now, which is the amazing thing that a lot of people don't realize. When they point to Destroyer, for example, sure, they're playing Detroit Rock City. They're playing, you know, Shout It Out Loud. Um, they played King of the Nighttime World for like a hiccup not that long ago during one of their last few tours. But it isn't the same as the self-titled debut because you have Strutter, you have Nothing to Lose, you have Firehouse, you have Cold Gin. Um, let me know they're bringing out in the cruise or they have in the past. Deuce. Love theme from Kiss, I think, is one of those deals that they're doing with the uh, VIP packages where they're playing. But 100,000 Years and Black Diamond, every one of these tracks, for the most part, has been played at one time or another or has been slotted in as as a track that's play, being played during a specific tour you know, at one point or another, since the reunion has taken place. So since 96 onward, and it's going to be 20 years now, but, um, you know, they've they've played a good majority of what's on this album. Also, another reason for not picking Destroyer is because by bringing Bob Ezrin in, Dick Wagner came in, and this person came in, and that person came in, and the other person came in. And no longer was it just Ace, Peter, Gene, and Paul. It was Paul and Gene and a bunch of other guys, uh, for the most part. And that has been their modus operandi for a lot of Kiss albums. Unfortunately, you know, you find this out after the fact, but... So the reason why I picked this album, not only was it groundbreaking because it introduced the band to the world, not only are there some people that are going to talk about seeing the band during their very first tour, uh, but you're going to hear people talk about the band in general and and different things uh, with regards to this album and the band, because obviously there are going to be people that are going to say, well... You know, what turned me on to the band was this, but I do recognize the importance of this album. So, uh, also, you know, it's difficult with some bands that, you know, regardless what we pick, there's going to be people that are going to complain about that specific selection or people that'll say, well, you know, it's cool that you picked that, but I would have picked this. So, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't moment. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the band, have always been. Uh, there are things that I like of the band. There are things that I don't like of the band. And I don't think they're perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I've mentioned in the past what my opinion is on a, a band versus a brand type thing with them. Um, I've defended them. I've said things against. Uh, they've, you know, uh, they've been there for me during the tough times during the hard times as ace would say or sing and they've also let me down in a lot of moments crazy nights for example um but to me for example creatures is my all-time favorite album possibly by any band the title track off of that is possibly my all-time favorite track by any artist but i still recognize the importance of this album and i wanted to discuss this album with all the people that we have 
on the episode. So I want to remind you guys, if you're checking this out for the first time, because it is a Kiss-centric episode, and I do realize that people are going to come on board just because it is Kiss, um, that we've been doing a, a lot of different classic albums episodes lately. It is to celebrate the sixth anniversary of the podcast. And so far this month, we have released Blizzard of Oz, Back in Black, Anthrax's Sound of White Noise, Overkill's Taking Over, and now the self-titled debut by Kiss. There are still, there will still be another episode released this Thursday. Episodes released next Tuesday and Thursday. And then for the final day of the month, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we will have one more album. Uh, the next to last day of the month, that is on the 29th, which is a Tuesday. We will have the final albums column for this month. Been getting a lot of great feedback from you guys, so I do appreciate that. Please tell your friends about the show. Uh, please share what we do up on Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere that you see fit. Please follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. Uh, or you can go to Twitter. It is Mars Aries 2005. Um, you can also find this on G+. In any event, if you look at the revamped Mars Attacks Radio website, you will find the social media connections at the top and the bottom of the page. So it is as easy as that. It is at the top and bottom of every single page. Um, from MarsAttacksRadio.com, you can stream or download any of the episodes, or you can go to iTunes or Stitcher to subscribe Please leave us a comment up there on iTunes. We haven't received one in a very, very long time. Um, what else? Want to remind you about um, Earpeeler, the podcasting news site that I set up. And it is basically to give a voice to all of us podcasters that uh, uh, aren't getting you know, our press releases put out by other sites. And I've said this a million times. It isn't because... You know, the blabbermouths or brave words of the world uh, don't want to post. Maybe it is. Who knows? But uh, I want to think positive and think that they receive so much correspondence on a daily basis that they probably just don't have time to post everything. I mean, I spend a good amount of time with Earpeeler posting just various uh, interviews from podcasts and print news that are posted online, and it takes a, a, a lot of the day to do that. So I can, I can imagine that, you know, for them being around for as long as they have, it probably takes them a hell of a lot longer to do all this. So there you go. Earpeeler.com for all your hard rock and metal podcasting news. So go there to check out not only the Mars Attacks podcast uh but you can go there to check out a lot of great other podcasts that are doing you know that are putting out great episodes great interviews great music episodes um just print i call them print because i i mean blogs and whatnot that are that are posting interviews as well you have things like my global mind you have 
um, Spotlight Report in Australia or Sticks for Stones in Australia that have been putting out some great, great interviews lately. Uh, you have podcasts. You have kiss-related podcasts like Pot of Thunder or Podkissed. Um, there's also, obviously, my good friends at Decibel Geek Podcast. I post news regarding them. Um, all of my former Cast Iron Ring friends, such as Radioactive Metal, Focus on Metal, um, Bob Nalbandian's Inside Metal on T Radio V, um, so on and so forth. Uh, I know that I'm missing a, a bunch MSR cast, Metal Geeks. Uh, I could go on and on and on and on. And thanks to this, I'm checking out new shows that I've never heard before. So I'm a big fan of, you know, what Loudwire is doing. I, I love the way that Grahamid, for example, interviews people. Uh, I think it it's great the way they do the the um, Wiki Metal or Wiki Metal. Excuse me, Wiki Metal is a show from Brazil. Another one of our good podcasting friends as well. Um, Wikipedia Factor Fiction is what I was trying to say. So just check out uh, earpeeler.com and you'll find all of these great shows that I'm mentioning. It is updated several times a day. Uh, so if you just want to go there and find out shows that are interviewing perhaps some of your favorite guests or shows based on some of your favorite groups like Kiss, like Cheap Trick, uh, there are a few others out there that are specific to just bands. And if you want to check those out, they're there as well. If I'm missing a show, if you're a show host and I'm not posting your news, please drop me a line, earpeeler at gmail.com, or you can do so via the contact form right there on the uh, top of the menu bar there, right on the, the website itself. So... There you go. In any event, here we go. We're going to kick things off now with this great, great episode surrounding the self-titled debut by KISS. Here's a word from our sponsor, and we will jump right into the episode. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. From Racer X, Jeff Martin. Ooh. So, oh, which one now? The first one? Yes, the first one. Oh, the first one. Oh, that that just that was a game changer right there. I remember I remember seeing the magazine, Circus magazine. I was in a circle cane. And my parents had moved me from Wisconsin. That's why I'm back here. My whole family lives back here. And I moved me to Phoenix, Arizona, and I was in a Circle K. I think that was, what, 74, 73, somewhere around there when that came out. Um, mm -hmm. And um, seeing their faces for the first time on the cover of, of Circus Magazine and going, what is this? This is amazing. They gotta sound good, or they gotta be just complete shit. So I immediately went out and got the record, and spent at least six hours playing Black Diamond, front to back, back to front. Oh, I don't know how many times. I'm pretty sure that track got worn out, but yeah, that that whole album was a game changer. In they were they were the heavy metal Beatles. And to me, to a lot of people, really, just because it, all the hooks were there, 
They were concise on what they did. They didn't overplay anything. Um, they just, you know, obviously um, Gene is a business guy and maps this stuff up, but he had a plan on what he wanted, and the plan worked, and, and they were amazing. And that, that album was a, it was a life changer for sure. And, and, you know, obviously I was there right when when it uh, first came out. It's not like uh, this was an album that came out way before I was in, into metal. I was I was a pimple-faced, you know, metal lover. So when that came out, so that was cool to be a part of that. And then, of course, I saw them a year later in Phoenix Play, and that was just really silly. So I got to see not just Kiss, but the real kiss, the first kiss. Okay, and what was it like to see them during those those first tours? Well, there was nobody like them, so they were just they were uh, treading their own water. It was it was amazing to to see them out there and have you know you, you'd always see you know think about it. I mean, there was what, what was going on before that Zeppelin and Humble Pie and. Uh, you know, I was into David Bowie too, and they, that was that had some theatrical thing going on to to a certain respect. But you know, they all had their own character going on in, in, in persona on stage, and just to to see that all working together as a unit, it was just amazing. You didn't know where to look. You know, uh, <laughs> it was it was fantastic, and, and of course, your starry eyed wannabe musician metalhead and you know that I'll tell you the story of how I came up with Blast and the Static Mind Band, but that that's part of that whole era, you know. He's written a million and one books about hard rock and metal. Martin Popoff. This was not the first Kiss album um, I ever got. I think it was Hotter in Hell and then Dressed to Kill, and then we went back and got Kiss Kiss. But literally, um, literally, I think I was listening to this album when I was twelve, so it would have been like 1975. Um, it wasn't my favorite Kiss album. It had some pretty cool stuff on it. Uh, some of it was a little bit too commercial. Um, you know, Kiss as a band, oddly enough, didn't really scare us, even though they looked scary. It was the scary stuff was really Sabbath. Um, so this stuff was was likable as a kid. Um, it, you, you weren't scared of it. It was good, happy music. Um, it was dramatic. Um, it had a little bit of that uh, that old school boogie that you hear out of uh, BTO or Humble Pie to it. This record did, um, but yeah, just a just a good, likable Kiss album. I think Hotter in Hell is the darker, heavier album. Uh, Dress to Kill is is kind of the poppier, more immediate album, and this album is just a little a little bit turgid, but um, but it was completely useful to us as kids. We played it all the time. Tom Potter of Gun Driver. You know, one of, one of America's great rock and roll bands, Kiss, you know, blowing the roof off the place for 40 years, you know, every night. Um, the, 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 the odd connection that we have with these guys is that our engineer, Jim Morgan, he was an electrical engineer in the 70s, so he really wanted to get into rock and roll, and so he quits his job and goes down to Electric Ladyland Studios, or maybe, like, he's, like, thinking about it, and he's walking by Electric Ladyland Studios and, like, puts his head up to the door, and it's like vibrating. He's like, oh. And so he like bangs on the door. And this British guy, who is Eddie Kramer, one of the most famous engineers in the history of rock and roll, opens the door and he goes, can you solder? And he goes, well, yeah, I just went to the Lockheed Martin soldering school. He goes, do you want a job? And so there he is. Next thing you know, working with one of the best engineers in rock and roll. And this was one of the first albums that he was in the studio for. 
And, uh, you know, so obviously he wasn't behind the controls because Eddie was, Eddie was riding the board. But, you know, I called him earlier today to talk to him about it, and he said he had nothing but good things to say about the, the KISS dudes. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, Paul Stanley's voice is, you know, stellar, one of the great voices in rock and roll. And, uh, you know, people are, are huge on, on Gene's marketing ability. But, you know, I definitely, you know, I, I think maybe we're, on, you know, glancing over the ability to put an entire project together write songs, produce it, you know, get everything across the finish line and, and get a, you know, a killer rock and roll album done. And uh, my hat's off to those guys for that because, you know, they did it time and time again. Josh Christian of Toxic. <laughs> I'm a huge Kiss fan. Um, first Kiss record is really different uh, from every other album. It's a great album and it's unique, but they hadn't gelled into their, into their, um, and you know, into their, theme yet they didn't really have it down their music hadn't solidified uh and it's different than all of the other albums having said that it's a great record great songs the cover was magical uh, I, I know it captured every kiss fan that was ever out there that was a, a really famous and popular poster back in the 70s to, that album cover you know just what can you say about that kiss is definitely one of the best known and greatest bands ever um, in metal and rock, and that was where it started for him, and it's a, an awesome record. The man that continues to shred the envelope, Dave Raffet. So Kiss, um, like I said before there, when we were talking about Megadeth, Kiss is probably, you know, it's a toss-up between Kiss and Megadeth for my favorite band ever, and uh, I've probably seen Kiss 20 times at this point. I, I just saw them in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. They were, they were badass. And uh, I actually just wrote an article on Kiss for Guitar World, and um, Kiss put it on their official website, and then they put it on their Facebook page, and it got like 2,000 likes. And uh, <laughs> and then the webmaster even emailed me, the Kiss webmaster, and told me that Paul Stanley really enjoyed the article, which was cool. As a Kiss fan, that was great. And um, what was I going to say? Yeah, the, the article was, Guitar World called it the 21 best Kiss songs. And I wasn't trying to say these are the best ones, you know. I just, my intention was um, to introduce people, you know, people, like everybody knows Rock and Roll at Night. And I just wanted to, right. Kiss has so many great songs, like from all the different, you know, in the 80s and 90s and stuff. And I just wanted to introduce people to ones that they probably didn't know. So, um, and I did that, and that was kind of fun. Because I love um, a lot of different tracks. This first Kiss album is um, unbelievable, man. When you when you run down the track listing on it, pretty much every song on it's a classic. Um, you know, like the like the love theme from Kiss from Kiss. I don't really consider that a real song, um, but when you look at the actual songs on here, like Strutter, Nothing to Lose, Firehouse, Cold Gin. I mean, come on, dude. Those are those are classics. You know what I mean? They they could go, they yeah. could go out and do a show of just those songs, and it would it would kick ass, you know. And, um, yeah, they're fun, man. Anybody that hasn't seen them live, go see it. It's, they're just unbelievable. From Australia, Death Dealers and Blasted to Statics, Stu Marshall. Well, Kiss, you know, the thing I love about Kiss is, you know, when you, when you ask anybody what sort of music Kiss is, they just respond saying it's Kiss. You know, they're their own genre. Um, you know, I think that first album is, is a kind of like a lot of first albums is very much a, a nebulous example of what's to come. Um, you know, obviously 
for me, I really like uh, stuff like Dress to Kill, and uh, I thought The Oath was actually a damn good album. But, um, yeah, the first album has a lot of gems on it, and uh, rock and roll raw, you know. From Radioactive Metal, Rock. All right, well, Kiss's debut album came out in 74. Man, of course, I was way too young to... uh, have bought that when it came out. I didn't get into music really until uh, I think it was 79 is when I really got into, started getting into music. And, and Kiss was, of course, my, my first uh, favorite band, as, and um, like a lot of other people I know. And um, the first album I ever got into was Destroyer. Um, I won't get into the whole story, but heard it at school, in grade school. My sister bought it for me for my birthday, uh, and I got it the following September. And, uh, you know, then I was made for loving you came out, and my fever pitch frenzy for Kiss just started there. And my uh, my second album, most of the songs on the Kiss debut album, I heard for the first time on Kiss Alive. So, you know, that album has a lot of power, and is you know, this, the crowd and excitement, the songs are faster, and you know it's a it's it's one of the greatest live quote unquote albums of all time so when i finally got around to getting this album first of all i remember seeing the cover and was like what the hell's wrong with peter chris's makeup oh it's all wrong what the hell what, what the hell was he thinking you know and then even ace fraley's the stars were like way too big and you know he and he had like blonde highlights and you know, I always thought, man, this is really weird. This looks really weird. And Gene Simmons' makeup was a little different, too. It wasn't as, you know, everything was a little off. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, how much am I going to like this? But I bought it, of course, at some point. And I remember listening to it and it's like, ugh, okay. This is, I, I love the songs, but I'm not digging these versions of the songs. Not at all. Uh, Strutter, I thought, was good. Uh, even after hearing it, you know, the, the live version, nothing to lose. I was like, wow, this sounds weak. The live version is much better. Uh, you know, I could go down the list and pretty much say the same thing for every, every track, you know, because that's just how, what I felt. Everything I thought was, had less energy and the production I thought was awful. But, uh, so, but let me talk about some of the songs that at the time I had never heard, uh, like, uh, let me know. I thought it was a cool song, but again, the sound, the uh, the rock sound, just was not doing it for me very much. But you know, I I, I, liked, I liked the song "Kissing Time." I thought was interesting because I was listening to it and was like, oh wow, there's at least three guys are singing. Wow, that's cool, you know. <laughs> so and oh oh, Peter Chris is singing too. Awesome, you know. And and I liked the fact that they were naming all these cities and. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. It, it sounded exotic in, in a way, you know, because they were talking about all these cities all across the world. I'm like, oh, man, these guys have traveled all over the world, and they know so much about all these cities. Well, little did I know, this was their their, their debut, and they hadn't toured the world yet, so they didn't know shit about all these cities they were talking about. So, but, you know, as a kid, you know, you've got your rose-colored glasses on, and, uh, you know, <laughs> you just believe everything they tell you. Um, love theme from Kiss. I remember listening to that. I was like, "What the hell is this?" The guitars to me, to me as a kid, not a musician yet. Just 
discovering music, the guitars sounded out of tune when they were playing that harmony. It's like, what the hell is this? You know, this is like awful. And I remember liking Gene Simmons' bass playing though on that one. I thought it was it was cool, but man, <laughs> the, the 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 rest of the song I thought was awful. Today I, I love I love that song, especially when uh, I hear live versions of it. I mean, sometimes I cringe a little bit because there's there's a few little parts in that song that, that I'm not too fond of, but in general I like it a lot better live. But yeah, so but I mean, what else can you say about this album? It was you know how, how many songs that they that they played live or maybe even still play one two three four five six seven out of the ten songs that they consistently play you know ad nauseum so i mean what else can you say about the, an album like that you know not, there's not a whole lot of bands that that can actually do that and play most of their first album still you know, 40 years later you know so you gotta you gotta give it to the guys you know they i guess they knew what they were doing a little bit of luck involved too that's for sure you know some luck was involved in them uh becoming the the legends that they are but you know it's 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 a great album and you know today by today's standards i mean it's it sounds really weak and 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 not there's not a whole lot of energy but for a kiss fan it's a must-have and uh you know and if you're a kiss fan i know you have it so there you go it's a great album, but, uh, you know, production-wise, could be a little bit better. Lord Von Rathenstein of Lords of Trident. Kiss, kiss! Double kiss! Oh, man. Um, <laughs> uh, people are going to hate me for saying this, but it's like, Kiss does one thing incredibly, exceedingly well, and that is marketing and promotion. I mean, my, if, if you want to look at pioneers of band image, band marketing, um, you know, using your, your quote unquote product, your band product on as many things as possible and getting just stinking rich in the process. That's kiss, you know, and, and the kiss has some songs that, you know, everybody knows. Uh, but I, you know, it, it's one of those things that like, I, I don't really think that the music that kiss makes. And then again, I, I think pe some people are going to scare me for this, but I don't really think that the music that kiss makes is, is, you know, standout extraordinary. I mean, we're not talking like, you know, like, like a, like a Led Zeppelin sort of a, sort of a, a band. Th this band combines pretty decent songs um, with, you know, good amount of, of, you know, sing along ability kind of a thing with just where they excelled. Of course, it's just the incredible stage show, the incredible, production performance you know when you say kiss you don't really think of you know a certain song you think of the makeup you think of the explosions you know you think of the tongue sticking out the the giant platform heels uh you don't really think of you know uh if you think of maybe one song it's you know rock and roll all night party ever every day but uh that you know that's basically it so so i i don't know you know as, as a as a metal guy kiss I think they're a great case study in, um, in, in how to take a show to the, you know, to the nth level, just to make it incredibly engaging and wonderful and also marketing. But in terms of the music, you know, are they, are they super unique? I wouldn't say so. From Diamond Lane, Brandon Bowman. You know, I think that Kiss, the self-titled debut in and of itself is probably one of the most influential albums to me. 
growing up, my oldest brother introduced me to Kiss when I was probably five or six. So being able to look at the album art and seeing these guys in makeup, wondering what in the world is going on here, and then throw it on the record and just being able to sit down and digest, I mean, it kicks off with Strutter. The fact that they're still rocking that song today is a testament to the powerhouse that is Kiss. I mean, the whole damn album, I don't think there's a bad track on it, Cold Gin. That's a personal favorite. And the way it closes with Black Diamond, epic in every sense of the word. From Zephaniah and Viking, Justin Zyke. I've always been a Kiss fan. Kiss is um, a great band, especially their early albums and some of them in the 80s as well. I've always been a fan of like the music from the Elder and whatnot. But the first album, we have like tracks like Cold Gin. You know, every time you hear like dan 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 you just like you pass the song. It's like you it's a song of anthems describing what Kiss is going to become. You know, it's raw, these songs were worked out, spent time on. Um and this is the rawness of Kiss that you can hear in the earlier albums and you can hear in some of their albums as well when they you know, they decided to do this because they wanted to make money playing music and Overall, it's it's a, probably one of my favorite Kiss albums. Brett Blackout, a Van Late. Yeah, Kiss. That that's the first Kiss album I ever bought, um, and it's still one of my favorites. I think my favorite favorite is Love Gun, but their debut. I think for a debut album, it's it's flawless. I think it's better than most bands' best albums because it's got so many so many really great tracks on it. So many of their biggest, biggest hits are on there, like Strutter and Deuce and Black Diamond is, is probably my favorite Kiss song. Um, yeah, I just think it's a really, really solid start for a band. Um, and yeah, like I said, it was my first Kiss album and it's kind of what got me really into Kiss. And I've, I've really, really loved the band ever since. So, um, Yeah, that's about it. From the Decibel Geek Podcast, Aaron and Chris. All right, when you're talking about the debut album of the rock group Kiss, I mean, this is a great debut. Now, this to me represents not the band Kiss that we all know and hate today. Well, we still love them, but it's not as bad. This represents Kiss when they were young and they were hungry and they were trying to make it big. And to me, that's the best Kiss there is. When Not when they're complacent and feel like you know they can do whatever they want to, come out with whatever they want to. This was Kiss. They were young. They were hungry. The guitars were awesome. The drums were awesome. The vocals, I mean, through and through. You know, you look at them first three Kiss records, I mean, they're amazing. And this one was the one that kicked it all off. I love the debut one of Kiss. Yeah, I agree. The uh, the material stands the test of time because the the core of their set list live is most of this album. Yes. Um. The, although I don't think we're ever going to hear love theme from Kiss live. Thank God. I but, like uh, that. You do? Oh yeah. Uh, I wish they would do the acrobat version where they play the whole thing out, which oh, yeah. the, the diehards of us know that that track. But uh, the material is fantastic. You can't deny it. Um. The only issue I have is the production. I think Richie uh, is it. No, Kenny Kerner and Richie Wise, the mm-hmm. producers, uh, should have stuck with Gladys Knight Records and not produced Kiss because I just I, the production level on this is horrible. The, the the demos they did with Eddie Kramer are way better than what uh, came out on the finished product. But 
the the material still shines through. I mean, it's Kiss. It's the it's the core of their set list. Like I said, so you know, it's a fantastic record. Not a not really a bad song on it. Love theme, maybe, but uh, great record overall. Young and hungry, gotta love it. Mick, Sean, and James from Corners of Sanctuary. Uh, listen, I I I dig that era of Kiss hands down. It's it's definitely. I don't know. I mean, that, that pretty much... No, you no. played fucking early kiss shit for fucking 16 hours? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love it. I love it. I, love I, it like, I like it, just not 16 fucking hours. <laughs> I mean, Christ, you're after the fucking car. <laughs> yeah, we played it all the way from Kansas City, all the way to fuck back here again. It was fucking just... kiss, kiss Alive 2 backwards. <laughs> Simmons was a, an angel. They got all kinds of underground <laughs> shit. Um... <laughs> You know, I mean, it, it, you know, Ace Ace influenced me for sure. Still does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Peter not. Uh, Peter influenced every drummer. Yeah. That's bullshit if they tell you he didn't because he did. The whole yeah. band, the whole band did what they did, what they what they were achieving. I mean, they changed they changed the concerts. I mean, every you know, I mean, what they achieved. They the made hairy chest cool. Yeah. Well, they they changed the whole. <laughs> they just turned rock and roll right upside down, and 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 influenced a shitload of bands. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how can you not? You know, how can you deny that? That's probably everybody our age's first hard rock albums. I mean, really. I mean, look what they did. They did when they were um, when they were playing when they before they recorded this album. They already had a um, a huge. You know, they tried to get a huge stage show together. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. I, it's I, you know, I don't you know I mean, see the thing is is if you say too much and people think that you're a little you know you're a little light in the loafers or something <laughs> for, for Paul Stanley and then you know and they 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 catch the they're they're bashed today and I hear it. I mean I I've seen them a couple times uh, with with the with the tribute band act and i mean it's i mean it's they still put on a hell of a show i mean they, they're giving you your money's worth you know with the theatrics and special effects and all that uh oh, still, their, their show is yeah. i think the last time we saw them they used more pyro than yeah more pyro than, than I they ever did, did. Yeah. I mean, yeah but um <laughs> i mean it's, it's, that original lineup is still the you know yeah even though you know Peter may not have been the best drummer in the world, no, he wasn't. But no, I mean, he, um, but he did influence and he changed things, and uh, they created. A, I mean, a sound all their own. It really, really is. It is a sound all their he, own. He had the big kits before a lot of drummers did. I mean, he had a massive kit during this tour. You know, oh, yeah. that they had to set up on a riser. And, I mean, you know, people, I mean, you know, I mean, you you read you read stuff today. You read stuff some of the old you know reviews or what you know comments of people. You know, and like. Like you know, they're being bashed for not maybe being technical, or you know, that was it was just this kind of music as opposed to say like Rush or, at the time. But I mean, it was like night and day, apples and oranges. I mean, yeah. and, and and that's not what they chose to do. And I mean, and I don't, and I think that hit the American youth at the time more so, so than you know Rush or anything. Not to take away anything from Rush, absolutely not. But I'm just saying it's like what that. Again, they didn't reinvent the wheel. They just kind of made it run a little smoother. And they, they, it, wasn't, it wasn't rocket science, you know? Um, and I think people, some people wanted to think maybe more so of that, but it was just, you know, just good stuff, man, and, and, and exactly what people wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean those, those first three albums, um, that, that there's such a rawness about them. And what I find to be really cool is 
in the span of 12 months, you know, three albums were released every six months. And that in itself is, an, is a huge accomplishment. Um, and with, if you, you know, you read their history, they were on the road. They would, they would tour and then they'd go back to school. You know, and, go back to school just, and, you know. and again, the caliber of songs, what is it? You know, I mean, not every song is going to be hit out of the park. But, no, uh, I mean, but that mean. first album, which did like crap for them at the time, has all the classics on it. Yeah. All the ones you... Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think there's an opinion out there with some musicians, maybe that something has to be technical or... I don't know what the word is, progressive or, I mean, my, I have influences across the spectrum and uh, I just know when I hear a song that's good, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That I feel like is, is a good song. Yeah, it doesn't have to be it doesn't, five minutes long with right. 37 changes. But, you know, I mean, I could listen to Rush, you know, and I could listen to ACDC or and I could listen to Metallica and I could listen to Pantera, you know, none of, none of I mean, I could listen to just, I could listen to Van Halen. Uh, and all they're all very good bands. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so Sometimes I, you, where you want to just stick like the first album on or the second album, whatever, right. and then Kiss wise, and just you know when you're doing something, you know, and you put it on and you're and you really pay attention to it, and you're like, damn, this was a good album. Sometimes I put the record <laughs> on depending on what mood I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, some guys go their whole lives never really writing the hook. And I mean, Kiss did it how many <laughs> yeah. freaking times? Yeah, they did it. You know what I mean? Listen, if you want to sit back and listen to Ying Vay Malstein. Yeah, no, Ying Vay's fantastic. But <laughs> there's a huge difference between what Ying Vay achieved and what, you know, Kiss achieved. And you can't take it away from them. What, however, they're doing it now. That's, that's, that's their prerogative. You know, they still got people that, that, that are proving all the critics wrong, that they're still doing it. And they're, you know, I mean, Paul Stanley has said a bunch of times, especially in the past couple of years with his book released and all, that like he hopes that Kiss goes on without him, like that everybody's replaceable. Now, I don't know if he really means that or not, but not that I think that after that point, I think it's really a mute point. But, you know, music's timeless. And they've, they've definitely proved that. Mm -hmm. From Witchcross and Ravensthorn, Count William. Oh, man, I'm a massive Kiss fan. It's... As you know, I kind of went into that when I was talking about Ozzy uh, at the beginning of the interview. But uh, but yeah, that album, uh, it's got all the classic songs. The only thing I think that kind of uh, hinders the first Kiss album a little bit was the production style. But when you're when you're a young kid and you, you, you put that on, it was like, you know, especially me, I was, you know, it was it was only like around 1980 or so. And I was like about you know, eight or nine years old. And I put that on, it was one of my first hard rock albums. So I really didn't notice, you know, how their, their guitar sound was a little more, uh, a little more clean tone or, you know, I wouldn't know what to say, a little cleaner tone than, than their later heavier guitar sound. But that didn't seem to matter because the songwriting was just so good. Like Black Diamond, Strutter, Deuce, all those classics, uh, you know, for the, you know, for a debut album to have that many, good songs like cold gin and every every song on there's like a classic kiss song a hundred thousand years you know that have lasted throughout their whole career they practically still play the whole album live at their shows to this day and uh i don't, I don't think you could ask for much more than that from an album but uh in retrospect you know uh i'd say that the only thing that 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 kind of hindered it a little bit uh 
you know, from, you know, a lot of people might not put it on as much today or they'd rather hear the live version because the songs are great. But I mean, I think it was just because they were so young and they were going into a really underground studio kind of type of place and uh, to, to record the album, it kind of has that weak uh, guitar sound that kind of, I think they were trying to emulate like the Rolling Stones or something. And then, and then when they realized that, Hey, we have our own sound, you know, and then kiss, you know, exploded of course right after that with hotter than hell and every every album it seemed like their guitar sound got heavier and heavier and then once they started putting the live records out it was like holy crap you know it's like we got like top-notch distortion and it's just like heavy metal has been you know inner you know kiss just became like heavy metal after a while and it was like they still don't admit or like to be called heavy metal but it's like they are you know at that you know once they got their live album phase of their career they were heavy i mean i you can't call it and say it's not heavy metal but uh yeah i'd have to say you know in retrospect examining the first kiss album uh if you're examining it on song quality and uh and vocals and everything else it's just a damn good album it's like every song on it's a classic so it's still one of my top favorites of all time but i personally enjoy their live versions of those songs on that record but I still recently have been putting it on again and it's, it's a great album. And I, after that, I just was a kiss maniac the rest of my life. I bought every kiss album. I got every kiss doll, every freaking uh, action figure, every game, every card. I've seen the band like maybe 30 times. I've met them before I got their autographed plaques hanging on my wall. I'm like a kiss complete maniac, but you know, there's certain albums I like better than others, but I'd have to say on song quality, and uh, if you're judging the album by how good the songs are and not the not the production quality, I'd, I'd say, yeah, that's probably one of the best Kiss albums ever. From Hades and nonfiction, lead singer Alan Tecchio. Oh, you're going to kill me for this one. I hated Kiss growing up. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was like in my high school, you were either like a Zeppelin guy or you were a Kiss guy, and I was definitely a Zeppelin guy. So... You know, the first Kiss record, I don't even know what the hell's on it, although I probably know every single song on it. I could probably sing most of them to you, which is a testament <laughs> of uh, just how legendary the band is and how memorable their songs are. But, um, you know, I can't take anything away from Kiss. I just never really got into them, especially at the beginning. I got into Creatures of the Night when Creatures of the Night came out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so... so then you have uh, certain issues with uh, Dan on that as well. With, with all the covers you guys did with Screaming Metal, for example, there, there's a lot of Kiss thrown in there, so you were almost forced at gunpoint to uh, sing Kiss then? <laughs> uh, on certain songs, yeah. Although Strange Ways was, my, Strange Ways was actually my idea. Uh, just that I really okay. I liked that song. But I didn't like it when, when they had come out with it. I came to appreciate it much later. But also, with Screaming Metal... You know, John, one of the players in the band, is he's just co-authored a book with Ace, so he's totally yeah. in the Kiss camp. He's totally in that Kiss camp, and, um, you know, I can't take anything away from that connection. So if they want to do some Kiss songs, I, you know, have to put my personal bias to the side sometimes. <laughs> from the Rods, Carl Kennedy. Yeah, I can't specifically do it, but, I mean... I just think Kiss is just a, you know, an institution. What can you say about Kiss? You know, the critics have hated them forever, and uh, they've just gone on to, to rise to 
bigger heights, higher heights. So, I mean, it's just that I think Kiss are just a great band, and Kiss is a band who kind of stayed true for the most part to what they do. They didn't try to reinvent the wheel. They just, uh, you know, did what they did and just continued on. Former King Diamond and Megadeth guitarist Glenn Drover. Yeah, that's uh, first Kiss record. That's just, um, I mean, it, I remember, I remember getting a, a compilation called The Originals, which was a very limited edition triple record set um, that came out in somewhere around the mid '70s, and uh, I think it was '76. And uh, that's when I first, you know, was exposed to that record because I think the first record I ever I ever got was was Love Gun. Yeah, it was Love Gun. And then I think it was Alive after that. So after having Alive for a little bit, um, um, Christ, I was like six years old, seven years old this time, man. It's amazing I can remember some of this stuff. But um, So I only knew quite a few of the songs from the Alive record. So it was really cool getting the, you know, the, the original set because you know hearing all these versions of the songs from Alive, now you're hearing the studio versions, you know, and you hear the difference and and the whole bit, which was really, really cool. I remember that. I remember that vividly. You know, thinking, wow, that's really cool. It's a little, maybe it you know, could have been a little bit slower, or the vocals sound a little different, or whatever it was. You know, when you're comparing live versions to studio versions, so that was always the kind of the buzz I I, I got when I was when I listened to a band for the first time and hear a live record, and then getting into the studio stuff later on. Um, that was definitely one of those records that you know I just really, really dug a lot. So. The Shred Lord, Joe Stump. Um, well, the the first Kiss record, I mean, I mean, I, the the one that really did it for me was was Kiss Alive One, you know, because right. like the first record was cool, but when you heard those tunes on Kiss Alive One, it was a whole different ball game. So, so that's really, you know, it's tough for me to really talk about the first Kiss record. I mean, it was cool, and those guys were all from, you know, from, uh, you know, uh, uh, the from New York as well, so, but I mean, um, the, you know, like all those tunes really, you know, took on like a whole other, uh, you know, uh, the whole thing went to a whole other level on Kiss Alive 1. The mastermind behind Iced Earth, John Schaefer. Not my favorite. Um, horribly produced. Right. Uh, a couple of songs are cool, but, you know, my introduction to Kiss was with Kiss Alive. It was the first time okay. I bought I was seven years old, so I mean, I uh, that that uh, and obviously some of those are songs are from the first album. But right. They just sound so much cooler on live. You know, if you if you're introduced to the band with that, and then you go back to listening to the, especially the first one. I mean, Dress to Kill yeah. is better. Hotter than Hell's, you know, is is better. Hotter than Hell, I think, is the best produced out of, of those first three. But um, still, you know, it's live. It's live. It's right. <laughs> At soundcheck with dubbed-in audiences, maybe. <laughs> the, my uh, reason for actually going with this album, because actually this list got put together based on different conversations that I had with people like yourself. Mm -hmm. The reason I went with the first album was because Do, Strutter, right. Cold Gin, you know, these songs are on that album, and they still play them today, and yeah. I didn't want to go with a quote-unquote live album, so right. I figured, all right, well, let's go... Yeah, where it all comes yeah the songs from. are cool. They just sound terrible on that album. Yeah. I mean, the production's really Yeah, I cool. mean, those live albums, I mean, that's why when I saw them with Peter Chris like 10 years ago, it broke my heart because you listen to a live, you listen to a live too, you hear him playing those parts and... Yeah, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it, yeah. Sad, but... Yeah. Part of one of the most influential bands to ever come out of Scandinavia, Arch Enemies, Charlie D'Angelo. Okay. 
the first Kiss album. The first Kiss album was, you know, I didn't actually hear the first album that I heard was Destroyer. And then okay. I got yeah, the first um, live album. And when I heard the first Kiss album, then I had already heard the live versions. So I thought they were a, sort of a bit dull back then. So I didn't right. really like it. And I was thinking, you know, songs like Love Singing from Kiss, what's that all about? But then, <laughs> you know, in hindsight, you know, as they, now I like some of the original verses a lot more. And fantastic album cover magic right there so simple but yet so great from death dealer and dictators nyc ross the boss okay at one point there was only three bands in new york city that had record contracts the new york dolls kiss and the dictators so you got to rub shoulders with them in other words as a result played in the same there were only a few places to play back then and we play there so what was it like to see them in their infancy? Did, could you tell that they were destined to become as we big really, as they You know, I don't, it was like, uh, I saw them at the Daisy once. They were, you know, they were into that makeup and doing all that stuff. And it was different, that's for sure. The host of One on One with Mitch, Talking Metal Digital's own Mitch LaFon. Uh, who? No. Kiss, that, you know what? A lot, a lot of people will say, Kisses, Destroyer is the best album ever, blah 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 But you know what? Destroyer, first of all, features Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner on guitar, not necessarily Ace Fraley and Peter Chris everywhere. Features Paul Stanley playing bass guitar, not necessarily Gene playing everywhere, and even Ace Fraley played some bass. But Kiss, Kiss is four guys out of New York who are starving, who need to pay the rent and put together an album that is fantastic. I mean, you are looking at 35 or 40 years later and people still want to hear Strutter. People still want to hear Deuce. Paul Stanley is convinced that 100,000 Years is a fan that is a song that every fan in the world likes. Um, uh, Let Me Know, uh, Kissing Time, uh, what else is on the cold gin? I mean, come on. Those are all songs that Kiss have played in concert for 40 years and that pretty much every metal band at some point in their career, whether it's on an album or a tribute album or when they were playing in the bars, be it Bon Jovi or Metallica or whatever, they've covered one of those songs at some point. And it's an honest, imperfect masterpiece. That's that is Kiss Kiss. The man that has played with all your favorite bands, Gene Hoagland. That's a pretty classic record. Kiss was my favorite band when I was eight, nine, ten, eleven, and then you know, like you outgrow your whoopee. Uh, <laughs> that's the way I, I did with Kiss. But um, what a what a great album! I got to admit, I love the versions on Alive better like hundred thousand years live what a great song and you know what a killer song on the first album but um um you know i really dug dress to kill i thought that was great and the live album and um and then you know to the three albums after that you know destroyer and love gun and and rock and roll over i guess destroyer rock and roll over love gun um right you know i was i was a fan of all those records i was a fan of all the kiss albums you know and um 
you know, I love the fact that everybody was putting a love theme on their records, and sure enough, Kiss had one too, you know, love theme from Kiss. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, that was that was a really killer record. And I remember when I was, you know, remember this is a 10-year-old thinking this, I didn't like the album as much because their makeup was different on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I liked I liked Peter Chris's later makeup. That's why I liked Kiss better. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, that, that was a great start. When did that come out? Seventy three. And you know, I mean, I remember Chuck from Death and myself. You know, we had many discussions about how Kiss was every bit as heavy and relevant as a band like Sabbath or Judas Priest. They had a lot of really heavy material. They could lay it down super heavy if they wanted. You know. Uh, songs like Off Heaven and Hell, like Parasite and stuff, are pretty heavy song. And Hell Anthrax covered that song, for instance. And, uh, right. And, you know, like 100,000 Years, that's a pretty heavy song. And Black Diamond, that's a pretty heavy song. And, and you know, they, they, they could lay it down heavy when they wanted. They, there was more to Kiss than what most people thought, you know. Unfortunately, they had the, you know, I mean, I'm not saying anything new. You know, they had the makeup, so that just immediately discounted their music to a lot of people. They were a novelty right. to real rock and rollers. And, you know, I'm not going to like Kiss because kids like Kiss. And, yes, I am one of those kids who likes Kiss. But without Kiss, there would be no me. And without me, I wouldn't be able to play on a whole bunch of thrash metal albums. So, you know, they're, right. they're, they're an absolute influence on, you know, they're the arguably the most important band of their day. And, you know, their first album was a great start. Um you know that was that was really cool uh, a really cool record you know and i thought they just got better after that okay yeah i i realized that uh, a lot of people were going to pull towards the alive album and I, and i wanted to stay away from live sure. albums so i i picked this one just because there are so many songs off of that album that they still play live and that made their ways you know to that first Alive album as well. So, you know, Absolutely. things like Deuce, things like Strutter, 100,000 Years, like you mentioned, so Cold Gin. So, and, you know, one thing that, like, say, for instance, you know, Kiss was, was later known for using guest musicians, you know, secret secret yeah. musicians and stuff. And I, it makes me wonder about, like, say, the Dress to Kill record. Like, if if that is Gene playing, which I've always assumed it was. I think Gene Simmons is a great walking bassist. You know, the walking mm-hmm. bass line. Do, 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 do. You know, that's a walking bass line. Yeah. He has some great bass lines on Dress to Kill. Like, he really came into his own as a bassist and a songwriter. Like, Dress to Kill was my favorite of the studio records before, uh, you know, Alive and... Um, and yeah. uh, and that and Destroyer, I mean, those two albums are great. You know, they're definitely thinking outside the box. Hell, Kim Fowley wrote a couple of songs off Destroyer, and um, yeah. you know that's pretty cool. He wrote two really cool songs on Destroyer, and um, <laughs> uh, you know, just Dress to Kill was that was such a tight sounding album, just tight and crisp and concise and snappy and very rock and roll. And you know, Gene Simmons playing was really killer on it so uh so uh oh did i say black diamond came off the first record yeah i guess it didn't did it it came off just to kill that's right duh um yeah so first album no black black diamond did come off the first okay, album that's what i thought yeah duh. 
Um, uh, Rock Bottom's the one that came oh, up. Oh yeah, that's, the okay. Kill. Yeah, that's yeah. Duh, I got I got two. I, I make that I confuse those two as well. Sure. Because yeah. on the live they're played by, back to back. That's right. That is right. But uh, yeah, great songs on on both records. You know, it could be Kiss's first record or Dress to Kill would be, you know, two well represented records on this list. Absolutely. He was part of Watchtower, Dangerous Toys, Broken Teeth, and a plethora of other projects. Jason McMaster. Wow! Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, once again, because of the sort of the production, the kind of lo-fi production or something, um, it has sort of a punk feel. Uh, and at that point, we, you know, the world didn't really realize what punk was going to mean or be because it wasn't really there yet. Uh, it was 73 and there was no, nobody was putting the words heavy and metal together. It was just all rock and roll, exactly like what D. Snyder says about when people called, you know, oh, there's this new subgenre, hair metal. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it's ridiculous to think things like that when ultimately it is all just rock and roll. Um, but every song, I am a huge Kiss fan, so it's easy for me to bow down to that first record. Every song is incredible. The, so the, the songs that never got any real sort of love other than uh, hardcore fanfare, like uh, Let Me Know, um, you know, which has the, the riff on the end of that that they put on the end of She on Kiss, of Lo on Kiss Alive, and only hardcore fans know where that fast riff, you know, that riff there is from Let Me Know on the first Kiss album, just to show you how big a nerd I am. But, you know, there's some fantastic moments in history on that first record. And every song, in my opinion, uh, eludes, I'm sorry, uh, exudes rock and roll. Um they were obviously doing something different is for their stage show and their antics while they were playing simpleton rock and roll that had some sort of uh, fire to it. No pun intended. Um, but you know, it, it's, 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 it's a great moment. I think the first three kiss albums stand on their own and stand all together. Uh, to sort of like say we are a forefather of what people call heavy metal now, even though we are not a heavy metal band. And I think the first record is, is the first sort of uh, knife in the heart of that whole thing. The legendary drummer of Anthrax, Charlie Benante. Wow. What a weird record that, that, that is because uh, if you heard a live first Right. And you went back to hear the original version of those songs. They are so tame in comparison <laughs> to Alive, when Alive is just like a monster. What they did to those songs it transformed them into these epic pieces of music. I mean, it's just amazing, you know? Like, especially a song like uh, Strutter. Um, yeah. on the, on the original, on the original Kiss record, it's such a little pop, little ditty, you know, 
but on a live, it's a completely different monster. I would prefer Hot in Hell over the first Kiss record, to be honest with you. No kidding. E- even with the uh, funky production that that has, you'd prefer it over the first one? Um, I love the Hot in Hell record. Uh, it just sounded so heavy and dark. It had this True. kind of dark element to it. And of course, it has one of my favorite Kiss songs, Got to Choose, uh, yeah. is on Hot in <laughs> Hell. Um, I just think that uh, the first Kiss album, they weren't Kiss yet. They were okay. still left over Wicked Lester becoming Kiss. And then Hotter Than Hell came out, and they were Kiss. I mean, they had elements of Kiss on the first record, but it was still not Kiss yet. Let's yeah, take I, it, Paul didn't, have, Paul didn't have the star. On well, the he album the star cover, on, he did. On the, on the album yeah. cover, he has the star, but I think making it, I don't know if he had the star yet, so he didn't quite have that star power. <laughs> he had the, the, the Lone Ranger going. <laughs> he was just a masked man at that time. Yeah, I, I, I love Kiss. I still have the, all those original records in their 12-inch form. You know, I, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've spent staring at those records when I was little. The Queen of Metal, Doro Pesh. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I would say they were my, my main influences, like Judas Priest, except Motorhead, um, Kiss. And it was actually... Uh, it was when I, I first met them in 1989. I had the honor to introduce them when they played the Monster of Rock Festivals. It was 1989. And actually, that was when I first met Gene. And he was super cool. And I was such a big fan. I still am. And then actually, a year later, I thought, man, I would, I would love to do something together. And my manager at the time, his name was Alex, and I told him, I said, Alex, do you think, you know, it's possible to get in contact? And actually, my first thought was I would love to write Gene a birthday card because he has, um, his birthday is one day before my dad's birthday. So I always remember yeah. that. And my manager, he said, hey, don't, don't be silly, you know, he has no time for that stuff. And I said, <laughs> yeah, why not? He said, I don't, you know, you're, you're such a fan, you know, you know, just get over it. And I said, but maybe doing something together. And, and Alex said, hey, you know, the guys have no time. Just, like, you know, concentrate on your new record and everything is okay. Yeah, so a couple of weeks later, um, my manager called me early in the morning and he said, oh, you know, come and meet me uh, in the Parker Meridian Hotel on 57th Street in New York City. And I knew that hotel well. And I said, why? And he said, well, somebody's waiting for you there. And I said, who is it? And I thought maybe it's somebody from my German friends or family or something. And she said, no, it's a surprise. Just just get up and, and you know, come as soon as you, as you can. Yeah. So I went there, and then my manager, Alex, was standing in front of the hotel, and you know, I said, Alex, now please tell me who it is. And he said, it's Gene Simmons waiting for you. And I said, what? <laughs> you couldn't tell me? I said, oh, no. You know, I felt totally underdressed, and I just hopped out of bed. I said, Alex, don't do that to me. He said, no, Gene is waiting there. You know, we have a little meeting, and, you know, he wants, you know, he wants to know what you, what you want to do with your next record. And I thought, oh, my God. So I had to walk three times around the block with my manager. <laughs> and then, you know, after three times, he said, okay, are you ready now? And I said, okay, I, I hope so. And then, yeah, we went in, and Gene was sitting there, and he was very, very nice, very supportive, and we were 
talking and then I said, yeah, maybe to do one song together. And he said, yeah, let's, you know, let's try that out. Yeah, to make a long story short, it worked out so well. Jean wrote <laughs> many songs for this record and she was producing it. And actually Tommy Sayer, who's now in Kiss, he was the co-producer and he played all the guitars on that record. And we started out in New York and then we recorded it in L.A., where Kiss recorded the Hot in the Shade album. It was called Fortress Studio, I think. And we had a great time. It was like so, you know, half a year. And me, you know, being a big fan, I could never get over it. Every day I went into the studio and my knees were shaking. And I was <laughs> always so nervous. I was like, oh, God, Jesus is there. But it was, it was great. And so, man, and he was such a great producer. And he was a great motivator. All the all the musicians were in the room. Everybody felt like so, you know, so so inspired and it was it was fantastic and and I learned a lot from him. I, I remember there was one time I wanted to record a blues and I just wrote the song. It was a nice little blues and then he said, Oh, do you know about the blues at all? And I said, Yeah, a little bit, but not much. He said, No, no, you can't sing a blues, you know, without knowing all these great people. And then the next day, <laughs> I had a whole stack of vinyl and CDs and all kinds, and they were the greatest blues artists in the world. And he said, Okay, now you have to listen to every single one, and then we think about you recording a blues. And actually, we went to many concerts, like great blues artists, like Dr. John and Jean got some tickets and then we went into this little, you know, little blues club. It was unbelievable. So I must say, besides working on the record, it was great. And I, I definitely learned a lot from him. And um, yeah, and, and these memories, like, they, they were unbelievable. I never thought that I would ever meet the guys. And then and then working on something, it was, oh, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And... With Gene, you were also able to cover the Kiss song, Only You. And the interesting thing for that track, for me as a lifelong Kiss fan as well, and actually I have to say this about uh, most of your covers, most of your covers sound like they're your songs. Only You sounds so different from the original that it, if someone wasn't a Kiss fan and didn't recognize that song, they would think that that's a Doro song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, I must say... I. I, when when we do a cover, I always I always feel super connected to a song or there's something 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 deeper. It's not just playing, you know, your favorite song. I always wanted to, yeah, to yeah, to do right by because I know when it's already a great version. The original is almost unbeatable. It's always so magical and yeah. And that one I listened to. Uh, Actually, Gene, he had a demo, and he sang the song, and oh, I loved it. And there were these uh, different lyrics. The lyrics on the Elder album are different. And, and suddenly it was like more of a, of a love song. And oh, when I listened to it, I said, oh, Gene, please let me record it. And I would promise <laughs> I would sing my heart out. And, and then he said, okay, let's try it. And yeah, and then... And I gave it my all, and I, I still love the song so much. And yeah, and I think it's it's beautiful. The chord changes, I love the melody, and yeah, and yeah, and then being a big Kiss fan, it's always like you, you definitely 
you don't want to mess it up. You want to do like as you know <laughs> as great as you possibly can, and you know. And I always treat the songs with utmost respect because I know the diehard fans they love originals. They don't want to have you know songs messed up. So I always try to yeah to to do right, and uh, and then I hope that the people like it and um, love it, and and I but I definitely always love the songs um, which we cover and it's. It's rare, but yeah, when I do, I always yeah, I want I always want to do really special and yeah, yeah, and and I I'm always hoping that the people who wrote the songs in the first place that they are satisfied with it as well and and you know can can feel somebody you know yeah treated their song their baby really really good and you know <laughs> right. Courtesy of Talking Metal, Ace Freely. Now, it's been over 40 years since the release of that first Kiss record, and so many of those songs are still played by Kiss, they're still played by you in, when you go out and play gigs. What made those songs uh, so strong, and why do they have such staying power? Well, I believe the four, four original members were the ones that had the magic, and I think we had a chemistry that was, you know, second to none. And, you know, the stuff that we recorded, you know, has withstood the test of time, and... and it's, it's still, you know, great songs, and, you know, those are the ones that people prefer. Cool. And did you have any idea when you were recording that record way back when that <laughs> <laughs> people would still be talking about it 40 years later? Uh, I kind of had a feeling that, you know, we were going to take off. You know, we were definitely out of the ordinary, and, you know, we all set our sights really high. Oh, yeah, yeah. We all set our sights really high, and, and we shot for the stars, and, and, and we got them. Ace, you mentioned that even if it wasn't Kiss, you knew it would be some band that you were going to be a rock star with. Well, from the time I was about 16, I, uh, I always felt that I was going to be a rock star. You know, sometimes people say, well, what, hap- what would have happened to you if Kiss didn't form? And my, my gut feeling is I would have gotten to another band and, and, and still, you know, Hit pay dirt. I mean, listen to my solo records, the right. stuff I've created without Kiss. So you know, you know, I was determined to to be a professional rock musician, and uh, nothing was going to stop me. And luckily, everybody else in Kiss felt the same way. Yeah, and that's I think what propelled us to superstar. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show.